Section 15J, Civilian Personnel Management and Programs Civilian Personnel Services The Air Force provides most civilian personnel services from two sources. Installation civilian personnel flights, usually located in the Force Support Squadron, and Air Force Personnel Center. Air Force activities collocated on an Air Force installation with a civilian personnel flights, or within the same locality, are to be served by that civilian personnel flights. When an activity is not co-located or located near a civilian personnel flights, services are to be provided by the nearest civilian personnel flights. Civilian personnel sections must service all civilian employees to ensure they are all included in the Air Force Civilian Personnel Program. Exceptions to the civilian personnel servicing arrangements are to be submitted to Air Force slash A1C for approval due to impact on reduction in force retention and bargaining unit representation. This includes arrangements to centralize or decentralize civilian personnel servicing arrangements. Civilian Resource Management While military pay is centrally managed by Headquarters United States Air Force, civilian pay is a budget line item at Major Command, Field Operating Agency and Installation Level, as well as Headquarters United States Air Force. The availability of performance payout and numbers of authorized civilian positions compromise the baseline for civilian employment levels. Civilian pay funds are needed for civilian overtime, performance awards, special act awards, notable achievement awards, retention, recruitment, and relocation bonuses, student loan repayment program, seasonal and long-term overhires, and voluntary separation incentive payments, to minimize involuntary reduction in force separations and severance pay for affected employees as a result of reduction in force. Accurate requirement projections and development of employment plans are critical to support the workload demand within budget, while executing work years, and strength, and civilian pay resource. Civilian resource management is a team effort. Commanders and senior leaders depend on human resource officers, financial managers, and manpower authorizations to meet mission requirements. Major commands and installations use a corporate board structure, meeting at least quarterly, to manage annual appropriations, revolving funds, or reimbursements used for civilian employment costs. When funds are available, civilian overhire positions can be established to handle peak workloads, recurring annual programs, military manning shortfalls, or other short-notice requirements that cannot be met through normal manpower requirements or personnel assignment processes. Most overhire positions are filled using temporary appointments, not to exceed one year. If the workload continues beyond a year, term appointments of up to five years may be used. Permanent appointments to overhire positions are unusual, although a permanent employee may be placed in an overhire position in a reduction in force. Job Descriptions Civilian employees, except those above Grade General Schedule 15, do not have a rank. Instead, they take the grade of the position they occupy. Since the position is graded and not the employee, detailed written job descriptions are the basis for determining pay, qualification requirements, performance expectations, and appraisal ratings. Position descriptions historically have covered duties, responsibilities, and supervisory controls. 
The Air Force has expanded the scope of core personal documents to include performance standards, qualifications required for recruitment, and training requirements for a new employee in the position. Supervisors are responsible for core personnel document accuracy and for implementing standard core personnel documents from a growing library of these documents. Air Force Personnel Center slash DPIC, formerly AFMA slash MAH, coordinates standard core personnel document content with appropriate headquarters United States Air Force, functional representatives before issuing a new standard core personnel documents. Supervisors who select standard core personnel documents save the time required to write a new document and the time position classification specialist will need to determine the correct pay plan or a schedule, occupation series or code, and grade. Standard core personnel documents can also be used as templates for a unique core personnel documents that requires a new classification analysis. Air Force civilian personnel sections with relatively large numbers of serviced civilian personnel retain position classification authority and responsibilities until they transition to Air Force Personnel Center slash DPIC. Air Force Personnel Center slash DPIC performs classification support for installations with smaller civilian employee populations. From either source, supervisors can seek assistance in developing core personnel documents or selecting or modifying standard core personnel documents. Filling Jobs Vacant civilian positions are filled based on an organization's needs using a variety of recruitment sources and appointment authorities consistent with applicable laws, regulations, directives, and policies as established by Office of Personnel Management, Department of Defense, and Department of the Air Force. Referral and selection priorities must be observed when filling competitive service positions. Employees with mandatory selection or priority referral rights normally include those adversely affected by reduction in force through involuntary separation or demotion. These priorities may also include transfer of function declinations or transfer of work outside the commuting area, overseas returnees, reduction in force reclassification, civilian spouses, or spouses of regular Air Force military following a change in duty location. Supervisors work in concert with their servicing human resource specialists in the civilian personnel sections or Air Force Personnel Center to determine appropriate recruitment sources. A vacancy for competitive fill actions is announced. Candidates are screened by Air Force Personnel Center and one or more lists of candidates are referred to the supervisor. Based on their qualifying experience and or education, civilians can enter civil service at different pay grade levels. The competitive staffing process used by the Air Force and other federal agencies determines the relative qualifications of the candidates and refers only the best qualified for selection. Office of Personnel Management provides agencies with qualification standards written broadly for government-wide application. The standards are covered by either a group standard, multiple occupations, or by individual occupation. The group standards cover occupations under professional and scientific, administrative and management, technical and medical support, clerical and administrative support, and student trainee positions. Some occupations have education requirements identified in the qualification standards. The level of education is dependent upon the duties and the grade of the position. 
Many jobs in professional and related occupations require a four-year college degree. Some of these occupations, including engineers, physicians, and surgeons, and biological and physical scientists, require a bachelor's or higher degree in a specific field of study. 5 United States Code Section 3308 prohibits requiring education for positions that are competed unless Office of Personnel Management has determined the duties of a scientific, technical, or professional position cannot be performed by an individual who does not have the prescribed minimum education. The minimum qualification requirements are listed on job announcements which may include specific job-related work experience, education level, medical or physical standards, training, security, certifications, and or licensure requirements. Competitive placements require collaborations between supervisors and human resource specialists at the civilian personnel sections or the Air Force Personnel Center. Human resource specialists advise supervisors regarding recruitment sources. The minimum area of consideration includes Department of Defense-wide, transfer and reinstatement eligibles for all locally and centrally managed permanent positions. Exceptions to the standard area of consideration will be limited to positions subject to the development team process, career broadener, intern-out placements, and placements to minimize adverse action. Once established priority requirements are cleared, the vacancy is announced for competitive actions. The supervisor is issued a candidate referral list of qualified candidate names. Once the supervisor receives a candidate referral list, he or she may confer with the human resource specialist for interview procedures. If an interview is used as part of the selection process, the supervisor arranges the interview. Interviews are required for all General Schedule 14 and General Schedule 15 positions. Should the selected official choose to interview, questions must be approved by the civilian personnel sections prior to use. All candidates should be asked the same questions, and the interview periods should be of relatively equal length. Some interview requirements may be defined by a locally negotiated agreement with the representative union. Centrally managed career programs cover most vacancies in grades General Schedule 12 through General Schedule 15. Senior functional managers set career development and placement policies for employees in career program covered positions. These positions are subject to the same requirement processes as non-centrally managed positions. Training and Development Air Force policy provides for necessary training to improve skills needed in employee performance. Supervisors are responsible for determining training requirements and working with the civilian personnel sections or education and training function to identify appropriate training sources. Organizational funds must often be used to support training needs. However, civilian training funds are often available. Identifying Training Requirements Conducted annually is a training needs survey which provides the supervisor an opportunity to project training requirements for the upcoming fiscal year. Due to unforecasted mission requirements, however, supervisors may request an out-of-cycle training need at any time during the year. Although first-line supervisors are the key individuals in determining development needs, they may need additional guidance from higher-level management, other supervisors, or the employee themselves. The Servicing Employee Development Specialist is available to assist in training needs, analysis, and identification of methods and training sources. Not all training and developmental needs can or should be met through Air Force sponsorship.
Employees are responsible for independently pursuing training and education that will prepare them for promotion or develop them for career transitions. Such self-development activity is employee-initiated and accomplished during off-duty hours. Supervisors should encourage civilian employees to participate in self-development activities. When appropriate, civilian tuition assistance is available in some major commands and field operating agencies. Training Sources Primary Training Sources Once training needs are identified, the next step is to determine training sources. The three primary sources of training are agency, air force, interagency, and non-government. Training away from the worksite is requested, approved, and documented using Standard Form 182, Authorization, Agreement, and Certification of Training. Agency Training Agency training is conducted by the employer, air force, and may include on-the-job training, in-house training, and air force formal schools. On-the-job training and in-house training are often the most effective because the supervisor tailors the training to meet specific job requirements. On-the-job training usually is as casual as giving a few pointers to a new worker or as formal as a fully structured training program with timetables and specified subjects. Therefore, on-the-job training can include directing employees to appropriate publications for self-study. Some functional activities also use in-house training. This type of training is very effective when a large number of employees need instruction on common aspects of occupational skill requirements. Air Force Formal Schools More formalized agency classroom training is available through Air Force Formal Schools listed in the web-based Education and Training Course Announcements, ETCA, located at https colon forward slash forward slash etca dot H dot AF dot MIL forward slash career field management programs plan for and sponsor developmental assignments, tuition assistance, formal training, and education to develop current and future managers, leadership and management developmental opportunities, including immediate service school and senior service school, are available to eligible high potential civilian employees. Information is available at www.afcivilliancareers.com. Interagency training. This training may be needed if agency sources are not adequate to meet identified training needs. Interagency training includes all training sponsored by other United States government agencies, Office of Personnel Management, the United States Department of Army and Navy, and the United States Department of Labor and Agriculture, are just a few sources from which to obtain training. Non-governmental training. Federal regulations require agencies to consider and select government training sources before turning to non-government alternatives. However, non-government sources may be considered when agency or interagency courses cannot satisfy the training need or when non-government training is more advantageous. Non-government sources incorporate a wide range of seminars conferences, courses, and workshops, as well as curricula offered by private educational institutions. Performance, conduct, and discipline. Performance planning, appraisals, and awards for employees. The employee is advised of the duties and responsibilities of the job and the supervisor's performance expectations in their core personnel document. Employees receive annual appraisals on how well they perform their duties. Supervisors may reward employees for performing their duties well, a performance award is a management option to recognize high performance.
Supervisors set the performance elements, duties and tasks, for the civilian employees they supervise. In developing an employee's performance elements, the supervisors determine the major and important requirements of the employee's job based on the employee's direct contribution to organization or work unit objectives. Performance standards prescribe how a particular element or duty must be accomplished. Set by supervisors, the standards must reflect levels necessary for acceptable performance. When possible, supervisors should identify observable behaviors that lead to success on the job. Note, elements and standards are documented in writing on Air Force Form 860, Civilian Performance Plan, if a core personnel document is not used. The performance appraisal is the basis for personnel actions to identify and correct work performance problems, recognize and reward quality performance, improve productivity, and grant periodic pay increases. Supervisors review the employee's performance of each element and rate the performance against each element's standards and then render an overall summary rating. AFI 36-1001, Managing the Civilian Performance Program, provides guidance for evaluating civilian employee performance for general schedule and federal wage system employees. Performance awards, performance cash award, time off award, and quality step increase can be used as tools to motivate general schedule and federal wage system employees to perform above an acceptable level, as well as compensate them for performing beyond expectations. Effective management of the performance awards program can help improve productivity and morale in the organization. Poor performance must be corrected. Employees who fail one or more performance elements are administered an unacceptable appraisal and will have an opportunity to improve. Causes for poor performance are identified. Medical conditions, training deficiencies, etc. However, if performance does not improve to a satisfactory level, the employee may be removed from the position. Placement in another position at the same or lower grade is possible. Separation from civilian employment is also possible. Personal Conduct Standards of Conduct AFI 36-703, Civilian Conduct and Responsibility, and the Department of Defense 5500.7-R, Joint Ethics Regulation, cover activities that are mandatory for civilian employees and activities that are prohibited. Employees are required to comply with standards of conduct in all official matters. Employees are expected to maintain high standards of honesty, responsibility, and accountability and to adhere to the Air Force core values of integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do. Required activities. Among required activities are furnishing testimony in official investigations and hearings consistent with protections against self-discrimination, paying lawful debts and taxes, being present for work unless authorized to be absent, complying with health, safety, and all other proper instructions regarding work, presenting a positive public image and complying with reasonable dress and grooming standards, and maintaining professional relationships with fellow workers, subordinates, and supervisors. Prohibited Actions Prohibited actions follow the guidance in federal laws and government-wide regulations, as well as Department of Defense and Air Force instructions. Discrimination and sexual harassment, drug and alcohol abuse, misuse of government purchase cards, misuse of government computers, vehicles and other equipment, 
taking bribes, conducting personal business at work, and criminal behavior off-duty that reflects adversely on Air Force employment are among the prohibited activities. The Air Force does not attempt to list all possible forms of improper conduct, but warns employees that misconduct will not be tolerated. Discipline Disciplinary action is taken to correct employee misconduct or performance when the employee can control the essentials of the performance problems and has the skills, knowledge, and capacity to perform well but is unwilling to do so. Guidance is an AFI 36-704 Discipline and Adverse Actions. The Air Force goal in the area of civilian discipline is to maintain a constructive work environment. If a disciplinary or adverse action must be taken against a civilian employee, this action must be done without regard to race, color, religion, sex, national origin, age, disability, or other factors, such as marital status or politics. Actions based on an employee's inability to perform because of a physical or mental disability should only be taken when the employee's disability cannot be reasonably accommodated. The employee must receive advance notice of impending actions. Disciplinary or adverse actions must be prompt and equitable and comply with the intent and letter of all governing requirements, and respect must be given to the private nature of the actions. Proper administration of discipline is a chief concern of labor organizations representing Air Force employees. Procedures governing disciplinary and adverse actions are common features of most Air Force labor management agreements. Moreover, a basic tenet of federal labor regulation states that an employee who is a member of a bargaining unit has a right to union representation. Upon the employee's request, during an investigatory interview, where the employee reasonably believes disciplinary action may result from the interview. Oral admonishment. The least severe disciplinary action is often adequate to improve work habits or correct behavior. For significant misconduct or repeated infractions, a written reprimand may be an appropriate penalty. Written reprimands are recorded in the employee personnel record for a specified period, as directed by AFI 36-704 or an applicable negotiated labor management contract. Suspension is a disciplinary action that may be imposed for more serious infractions, when the situation indicates that a lesser penalty is not adequate. A suspension is a particularly severe disciplinary action that places the employee in a non-pay and non-duty status, usually for a specific length of time. Employees accused of serious crime may be suspended indefinitely until criminal justice is complete. For employees who have received oral admonishments, written reprimands, or suspensions and whose behavior continues to be inappropriate, or for such a one-time egregious event of misconduct, removal may occur. Like all other disciplinary actions, the supervisor must ensure the disciplinary action is warranted and well-documented. Reprimands, suspensions, and removals must be coordinated with the civilian personnel sections and the staff judge advocate so a procedural violation or an administrative oversight does not jeopardize a valid disciplinary action. Working Conditions Pay Civilian employees are paid every two weeks. General schedule employee pay is expressed as an annual salary and high-cost areas have higher pay rates. All general schedule pay rates in the United States include locality pay and pay rates overseas do not include locality pay and are approximately 10% lower than United States rates. 
General schedule pay scales normally increase in January through the legislative process. The federal wage system consists of wage grade, wage leader, and wage supervisor. The federal wage system pay is expressed as hourly wage rates. Federal wage system rates vary more between local areas than general schedule. Federal wage system rates may also be increased annually, but on an area-by-area -area basis throughout the year. Both general schedule and federal wage system have steps in each grade. Employees progress through the steps via longevity. The general schedule grades have 10 steps. Within grades or step increases start at one-year intervals, but slow to three-year intervals in the higher steps. Federal wage system grades have five steps. Federal wage system within grade increases start at six-month intervals and slow to two-year intervals. Pay for overtime is a time and a half or 1.5 times base pay. Overtime pay for general schedule employees is capped at 1.5 times the GS-10 Step 1 pay rate. For employees with rates of basic pay greater than the pay for general schedule-10, the overtime hourly rate is the greater of either the hourly rate of basic pay for general schedule 10 step 1 multiplied by 1.5 or the employee's hourly rate of basic pay. Instead of overtime pay, an employee may receive compensatory time off for each hour of overtime worked. Work at night on Sunday and on federal holiday earns extra pay. Work hours Civilian work hours are more precisely defined and less flexible than those of regular Air Force military personnel. Civilian work schedules are defined in such terms as administrative work week, basic work week, regular tour of duty, uncommon tour of duty, and part-time tour of duty. Most civilians work a regular tour of duty. Normally, this is five eight-hour days, Monday through Friday. On common tours of duty, a 40-hour basic work week that includes Saturday and or Sunday, or fewer than five days, but not more than six days of a seven-day administrative work week, are authorized when necessary for mission accomplishment. Special circumstances permit part-time, intermittent, or special tours of duty. Installation and tenant commanders established by written order, daily work hours to include designated rest and lunch periods. Two types of alternative work schedules can be implemented by organization commanders. Flexible work schedules allow employees to start and end work at different times. Compressed work schedules cover 80 hours in a pay period in fewer than 10 days. The most common schedule has four 9-hour days each week, an 8-hour day in one week, and a regular day off in the other week. AFI 36-807 Weekly and Daily Scheduling of Work and Holiday Observances covers work scheduling. Absence and Leave Civilian employees earn 13 days of sick leave each year and 13, 20, or 26 days of annual leave, depending on their length of service. Annual leave accumulation is capped at 30 days for most general schedule and federal wage system employees. Employees working overseas can accumulate 45 days. There is no cap on sick leave accumulation. Annual leave is used for vacations and or personal reasons and should be approved in advance of being taken, unless emergency conditions exist. Leave is charged and taken in 15-minute increments. 
sick leave for medical appointments or care for a family member, should be scheduled and approved in advance except in cases of emergency. Illness or injury that keeps an employee away from work should be reported to a supervisor during the first two hours of the duty day. Absence for jury duty, dismissals for extreme weather conditions, or absences excused by the installation commander are not charged to annual leave. Employees who have earned compensatory time for overtime or time off awards should schedule absences to use that time like they schedule annual leave. Absence and leave are covered in AFI 36-815, Absence and Leave. Unions in the Air Force Approximately 70% of Air Force civilian employees are covered by labor agreements between unions and installations or major commands. As such, they are members of the bargaining unit, even if they are not dues-paying union members. Unions have legal status under federal law. Guidance is included in AFI 36-701, Labor Management Regulations. A labor relations officer or specialist in the civilian personnel sections is the usual liaison between supervisors and other management officials and union officials. The job can be full-time or part of a larger assignment. The labor regulation officer speaks for management in routine communications with the union and with parties outside the Air Force who have roles in labor contract negotiations and dispute resolutions. A variety of union officials may act for, and make commitments for, unions. These include elected officials such as the President, Vice President, and Treasurer, and appointed officials such as stewards and union delegates to special meetings or projects. As part of a democratic organization, the union official may be required to present issues to a committee, such as a bargaining committee for approval. At other times, the official may have been delegated authority to make commitments. One of the duties of union officials is to raise employee concerns in the early stages of policy formulation and to resolve employee complaints. Managers should strive to work with union officials, particularly where grievances have been filed, in a professional, non-defensive manner. Management and union representatives negotiate collective bargaining agreements, contracts covering grievance procedures, use of official time for union matters, use of Air Force resources by unions such as office space, telephone and computers, and other local or major command-wide items of interest impacting the working conditions or bargaining unit employees. These contracts bind both sides with agreements subject to interpretation by third parties outside Department of Defense and Air Force. For example, the Federal Labor Regulations Authority and or arbitrators. Contracts do not cover pay, benefits, or other matters governed by federal laws and government-wide regulations. However, revised Air Force instructions that differ from provisions in a contract may need to be negotiated. In recent years, civilian performance appraisal changes were not implemented at some installations until conclusion of lengthy negotiations between management and unions. Dispute Resolution Civilian employees have a variety of avenues to resolve disputes. Labor management contracts must include a negotiated grievance procedure that must be used by members of the bargaining unit. Most start with an option to seek resolution using outside neutral facilitators or mediators, alternate dispute resolution. Formal grievances follow two or more steps before one side decides to refer the dispute to a paid outside arbitrator. Costs are usually shared equally by the union and management, 
so union decisions to pursue arbitration are now routine. Subject to challenge on points of law or contract term, arbitrators' decisions are final. Supervisors, managers, and employees who are not covered by a collective bargaining agreement or who are not members of the bargaining unit follow different agreement procedures. AFI 36-1203 Administrative Grievance System covers the administrative grievance process. Administrative grievances are decided by Air Force officials, usually the installation commander or designee, although outside fact finders may be used at management's option. A number of personnel decisions, for example, non-selection for promotion and performance recognition, are excluded from administrative grievances in most negotiated grievance procedures. Appeals of adverse actions covered by legal appeal rights are also excluded from the administrative grievance system. The Merit System Protection Board hears appeals of suspensions without pay of more than 14 days, demotions, change to lower grade, and removals. Disputes pursued as grievances cannot be duplicated as equal employment opportunity complaints and vice versa. Appeals of the adverse actions that include allegations of discrimination may be reviewed by both Merit System Protection Board and the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. A different route is taken to resolve union-slash-management disputes concerning the statutory rights of either party. The Federal Labor Regulations Authority investigate charges of unfair labor practices brought by either union or management. The union files most unfair labor practice charges when managers or supervisors are accused of changing working conditions or calling formal meetings without proper notice to the union. If found guilty, management may be required to revert back to the previous working condition, and the organization commander, including a wing commander, can be required to post an admission of management's wrongdoing on official base bulletin boards. Conclusion The Air Force mission requires military members to be prepared for service at all times. Force support organizations ensure airmen's families are cared for, pay and entitlements are properly addressed, and their individual rights are secured. This chapter included information on enlisted assignments, family care, re-enlistment and retraining opportunities, benefits and services, personnel records and individual rights, the awards and decorations program, and the airman promotion system. This chapter continued with the senior NCO's promotion program, identifying how manpower requirements are quantified and how supervisors initiate changes and using competitive sourcing to maximize cost-effectiveness, efficiency, and enhance mission capability by taking advantage of services available through the private commercial sector. This chapter also introduced civilian personnel management, covering such areas as job descriptions, filling positions, training, performance, conduct, and discipline, and working conditions, equal employment opportunity working conditions, and unions. Senior NCOs require a basic understanding of the subject areas to effectively lead. 